Hello and welcome to Meet the Founder, a new series within But Why podcast. My name is Clemmie Telford and before I began out on social media, my career was in advertising as an agency creative director and later as a creative strategist at Facebook and Instagram. I have a fascination with brands, how and why they exist and the stories of the people behind them. Meet the Founder is my opportunity to marry my love of honest conversations about tricky subjects with my curiosity about brands. It's business chat, but a bit nosier. When you look at a backlog and you look at options, you should see like a level playing field. And at the moment, you know, the alcohol free drinks will be tucked in some dark corner or in a fridge and you have a you know, 150 spirit bottles. Today, I'm talking to Jamie Wilde of Ferragaya. Have I said that right? You have, you've nailed it. Yes. It's great to be here, thank you for having me. Uh, Jamie and I have done a lot of like preamble chat like on the way up um, in the lift and in reception and now I'm going to try and shoehorn that into our conversation because we've covered some really interesting stuff. So give me the elevator pitch for the brand, how it came to exist, why it exists in the world and also drill in a little bit to that interesting name. Ferragaya is the original free spirit. It's really on a mission to redefine how people perceive and look at alcohol-free drinking. We are opening up a category of free spirits, which is really a positive statement about what we are rather than what we're not. So much of the category is defined by uh, what it's trying to avoid, mimicking the taste of alcohol or uh, using alcohol in the process. And we believe if you're gonna really embrace not drinking, then you should first get rid of what you're trying to avoid. So Ferragaya never touches alcohol, it's not mimicking the taste of alcohol. And that's really the foundation on which we build uh, this this really sort of interesting, complex, satisfying drink. And um, and then sort of going on to the other points that you mentioned, the definition of Ferragaya is wild earth, mm-hmm. uh, it's Latin and Greek. And the brand is, and the lifestyle of the brand sort of really exists in the sort of sense of when we enter wild places, that um, familiar sense of, you know, this is, somewhere that we've come from, somewhere that our bones know, almost that our minds don't, because increasingly we grow further and further away from nature in our urban, busy lives. And so Ferragaya Wild Earth is all about taking a trip back and everyone will have their own idea and their mind's eye about what Wild Earth is. It might be the beach, forest, mountains, but that sense of grounding and almost sort of comforting insignificance you get when you're in these wild places is the experience that we want to give the drinkers of Ferragaya through that wild expression that we've got, because we believe that's the person that we should bring into the world and the interactions that we have. And ultimately, it's a sort of a self-empowerment thing and how to get more meaning out of you know the life that we have, which is obviously really precious. I actually love that, as you know, and as we've spoken um, of Mike, I, I don't drink, I haven't drunk for coming up to four years, and so much of what I love about not drinking is that real sense of being grounded and 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 of clarity. And the and the prior to not drinking, the only time I ever felt that was in nature. That real sense of perspective, a sense of being able to see life for what it is. And so I really love the fact that that is what you've tapped into, and that 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 isn't. For me, sobriety isn't life without. It is absolutely life with in every yeah. in, in every sense. And 
it's really not not about what you're giving up it's about what you're gaining and actually what you're giving up is far less than what you're gaining and as you know you know through what you've done over the last four years is that you can so sort of the freedom that you have and the way in which you can build your own self-confidence in social settings knowing that you don't need to have the crutch of alcohol for you to sort of fit in and it you know it opens up it's sort of positive and that empowerment I see is like the new frontier of socializing and the way in which people can get more out of these precious moments that they have outside of busy working lives when they're with you know loved ones family socializing etc so I, th I think it's really exciting I'm interested again in what this category has looked like the history of it when it you know how you see it tracking over the last few years and where you see it going yeah so we're in well technically alcohol free spirits we really see ourselves as being the original because of what we're doing the original free spirit sorry and that really kicked off five six years ago maybe more now with Seedlip, which um, has sort of spearheaded that, uh, got the first mover sort of into the space and has done amazing things for opening up that category. Ever since then, and as there's been more and more hype uh, about people changing their drinking habits and alcohol-free drinks being more than just a really sugary elderflower or a mix of mango and sort of pineapple juice, etc., uh, loads of products and brands have come into the space and I'll leave like beer and wine to one side, but there's really, you know, you've got fermented products, you've got macerated products, you've got um, distilled products like Ferragaya, um, you know, you've got nootropic sort of functional op options. And so there's a massive sort of, there's a huge amount of different options in the space right now. So like it's a, it's a mile wide, uh, and really just an inch deep because it's in its infancy as a category. And so the consumer, I think, has been introduced to brands like Seedlip, for example, and think through in terms of spirits, as bigger brands have sort of gotten on to the opportunity in the market, namely like Gordon's and Tanqueray, uh, people have now sort of moved on to like these quite mainstream, quite um, I'd say sort of safer options, like a direct mimic of the alcoholic version and from a brand that they already know. Uh, but, you know, as I said, I think that's a stepping stone in the middle of the river to the promised land, which is, you know, free spirits and for, you know, for what we're doing. And this is, you know, our bet is that, you know, we're really looking inward, like inwardly establishing ourselves, doing, creating distillery, um, you know, growing our own botanicals, creating sort of real depth to our story so that when the consumer has the confidence to be able to sort of really look outwards from direct alcohol mimics, then Ferragai is sort of there as really the benchmark for quality in that in that space. So, so that evolution is sort of midway at the moment. Uh, and, but it's, you know, it's a small category still. Uh, there's a lot of talk about it. And, but people... Are sort of still making their mind up on the whole as to what alcohol free means to them and where it fits mm -hmm. the moments it fits and what they have in that so in that interim that's why the safer sort of options are are typically drunk yeah just it's an easy conversion isn't it but yeah. it, you're so right it's like if you've chosen to move away from alcohol the chances are for whatever reason be that complicated or not you 
the the idea of just mimicking the thing that you've moved away from is a strange place to find yourself, but that is often yeah. what you're confronted with. You see that in with smoking or uh, veganism uh, and the idea of a vegan sausage is sort of still in between for me. I, 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 I would, there's, there's got to be more than that. Than that. Uh, and so that's the same. Not that I'm comparing fair guy to vegan sausages, quite a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> Has your route to market been to consume or are you trying to go via businesses? So that's been a bit of a journey since we started three and a half years ago, just before COVID. Uh, you know, we, my uh, co-founder and I um, really have our sort of experience in hospitality and um, off-trade working with bigger drinks, alcoholic drinks brands. And so we set out really just to work with some of the great hotels, bars, restaurants um, up and down the UK uh, to establish the, the brand, to educate people about like what it's about. And you know we got off to a really great start and it was really well received. But then of course, like so many businesses were sort of uh, forced to pivot really quickly in March, 2020. And we, then we became an online brand for, which was, you know, just, clambering to try and get a I don't know, Shopify website up and getting all the Facebook advertising stuff and putting out some adverts. And fortunately in that time, the category was still small enough and there wasn't that much competition. So digital was, you know, was pretty good for us and saw us through what was, you know, pretty treacherous period for many businesses if they were reliant on hospitality or like retail events um and so international export so in our you know we, we could be existed on um on digital for about a year uh, and then it started to change as things opened up again and really through then you know we're very events and off trade sorry which is retail but now you know we're really in this space of we do um our big opportunities are really in hospitality so the on trade like venues where uh, we see like food led venues that have great cocktail offerings, selling great rate of sale on Ferragaya, and there's some really great international opportunities opening up as well, um, which is so growing towards the light is what we're told. You know, we've got to make sure that we've got to focus our limited resources mm. to these areas that we see growth in. And yeah. those are our, our points. At the moment. I was going to ask you about the challenges, like how it, to be in a, a category that's growing is is really exciting, but there's yeah. still quite an education piece. And you're also, I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're still trying to create your consumer. It's not obvious yeah. who, who, you haven't got a, probably that clearer image, or do you have a, a very- Well, yeah, I've got Leo, Janie, and Serena, who are sort of character muses that I've developed. Um, one of them is sort of like a free-spirited character. The other one um, is really like more of a change maker. And then the third one is sort of the assertive and confident one. And I think their like reasons are to love Farragai. You know, Leo would be like, um, loves the, to still to be different, this idea of like getting more or there's new. Uh, with Janie, it's sort of more about this free spirit category and you know, the B Corp certification and that, that eco element in terms of what we're doing. Then Serena would be like, it's alcohol free and it's good. So it's going to help in these moments when I don't want to drink. So, I mean, but that's, there's the, that's a real sort of distillation of three and a half years of trial and error, basically. Um, and I, I have no doubt that that those character muses are going to continue to evolve and develop, but 
always like the focus on the consumer is so important and um, understanding who the consumer is, why they would drink or engage with Ferragaya and then when would they have it? It's just a constant battle to try and find that because you're right, such a complicated um, category. It's a complex product that is new. And so all of this means that there's a lot of education to get across. And that's something that you know we've struggled with in the category where you know, alcohol-free gins, for example, are, are very popular um, because it's an easy one to understand. So the comms battle of like, how to really communicate yourself and how to sell yourself is has, has been a really big one and will continue to be a real focus. Yeah, I guess you're very much, you, as we touched on, you're, you're representative of that free spirit, which is if you're stepping outside the mainstream, which is exactly what you're doing. And, yeah. the, and, and the, well, this is what I find, you're not, you're trying to do things differently consciously. That of course, can, that can feel hard because as humans, we always want to get pulled back towards the norm of yeah. what's, what's common and, and what's understood. Yeah, as a like founder of a business as well, you don't get the validation of the like hockey stick uptick in sales because and something that you know I've learned it's just taken so much more time and it will take longer. I continue to take longer to establish and educate people on Varagaya, and I'm accepting of that. I mean, my strategy needs to reflect that, but I believe that that longer term image, you know, vision for what I have, for, uh, for, for what we have for the brand, really represents something that is right and really true and honest. And I think you know, alcohol-free drinks shouldn't be defined by alcohol, but it also, when you look at a back bar and you look at options, you should see like a level playing field. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, you know, the alcohol free drinks will be tucked in some dark corner or in a fridge and you have a you know, 150 spirit bottles that all looking fantastic and really interesting. It's like no wonder that people find it hard to make a choice for themselves when it's just like a onslaught of just alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. And so that balancing is really key and I think when you've got confidence in who you are and you're not being apologetic and you're not being defensive, it's well, it sort of breeds confidence in that. And I think hopefully the real loyalty in the mission. It's something you touched on there and it's something that actually during these conversations I've been having, this idea that we get sold very aggressive growth strategies and actually yeah. for all sorts of reasons, for all different brands that actually can't or isn't the right approach. Yeah. And it's cruel because I think most entrepreneurial people are quite optimistic. And so it's uh, forecasting is, you know, it's, it's sort of brutal because you think I can, you know, this, this is going to change the world or you've, you've got to have a little bit of that crazy to drive you to do it in the first place to keep on fighting and pushing and persisting with it. So, uh, yeah, so it's a hard lesson. Um, but so that sort of reminder of you know you've got to respect it once once it's there and acknowledge it, and then just get on a, get on your strategy and work out how you know one you sort of spend the resources that you have uh, correctly, um, and you can navigate a competitive landscape filled with a lot of people with far more money to spend than you, um, to really sort of find some truth and um, eke out an existence in the category, but. I think where we've where we feel really lucky is that 
in one of the original books, business books by Jack Trout that we read, Ben and I, it was called Differentiate or Die. And it's all these law, laws of marketing, which, you know, and, and I think those lessons that we've taken on board, certainly from like differentiation, have been really valuable to us. And they, they are starting to become even more valuable now mm -hmm. as people are becoming more educated on, on the space and looking beyond options of just alcohol-free gin for... Um, yeah, and you hope actually that differentiator piece is often retrofitted. As I said, I worked in advertising and I've had a lot yeah. of alcohol briefs, you know, land on my table and, and you look at the, the brand positioning and like this is a load of things that have been made up yeah. retrospectively to try and give a brand some yeah. meaning, whereas the meaning is there, you know, from, from the beginning for you. Yeah. And um, we're so proud of what we've built. You know, Bill and I, you know, we've now got a small team which really brings this sort of greater force of energy and like teamwork together, which has been incredible. And you know, I could I hope to continue to build that. But it's you take these choices at the expense of, you know, there's a lot of other brands that have just gone for quick volume in just package up the most consumer friendly thing, short term solution, and put as much money behind it as possible whilst it's a hard, it's like we've built something real, something that we can now open the doors to our distillery, welcome people in and really show everything that goes into Ferragai, all the work, the whole idea behind it. And that's a benchmark in the alcohol-free spirit category, the no-no category, because it's all been so fast-paced and people have just been go, go, go. So, but the hard thing is, is that when you're doing that and you're trying to make something real, and we were talking about this before, it's, these um uh it's you know, there's a payoff or there's you sacrifice something you give up something and that's the quick volume and businesses need revenue to exist to continue to grow and if you're a purpose uh driven business you ultimately need money to be able to enact your purpose and so if you so there's that balance there that you have to get right is that in the middle of your kind of co-founder story? Do you do you hold one another accountable to that those values and that belief, or or do do you feel inclined to stray and then come back to it? I think uh, the founder relationship has been a really interesting one, mm. and I know it's always a bit a big topic with if there are co-founders of a business, and I think we're respectful of uh, each other's views but aligned really where, where, where it matters. And we've been the, the whole concept and really I, I bring more the sort of idea around originality of what the category needs and how to build real confidence and this whole empowerment piece of how I see, you know, people's, the culture of drinking changing and how people can feel like that freedom and like find their original free spirit themselves mm -hmm. to get more meaningful from their life where, Bill, he's from Scotland and very proud, like pretty much every Scot, uh, to be from Scotland. And that heritage and history of distillation in Scotland's just respected around the whole world. And Bill felt very passionately about trying to create something distilled in Scotland. And this sort of, as this category was starting to emerge and was asking himself questions about you know his relationship with alcohol then there's a great opportunity to actually start to pioneer and to modernize and contemporize a message that 
you know, Scotland's been known for for a very long time. So I think that's a combination of like Scotland and this heritage and uh, originality and confidence of what an alcohol free drink can be. So. And how long have you been working together? About four and a half years now. And when did you bring, when did you expand your team? When did you say there's four of you now? So there's four full time and we have a sort of a team of, well, we've got some, developed some good relationships with some good partners and um, agencies as well. Um, but so it was Bill and I for uh, about two and a half years. And, and then what was the first role that you hired after that? Sales in Scotland. So having our like, building the, the Scottish castle, you know, we call it, um, has been sort of really important because it's got a, like a, I think a Scottish brand has to be loved and used in Scotland. And so, you know, we've got, uh, after three and a half years now of working in the Scottish market, we've, we're in almost every Michelin star restaurant up there. We've got 300 fantastic bars, restaurants, hotels, serving Ferragaya and you know we're regularly at events doing tastings um so it's great independent retailers up there as well so and we're really proud of that and again it's like this foundation stone that we're building that's hard to hard to establish but hopefully long term is is really worthwhile and so we had a Scottish ambassador to start with and um and then we've added on a head of marketing as well which marketing you need marketing and sales together as you know and um but there's it's yeah the the life of uh, a founder or like anyone in a small business mm -hmm. there's you just feel you're just pulled from one thing to another and you try and trying to achieve and to get as far as you possibly can and i'm trying to get everyone's focus as possible on the jobs that they need to do because there's so much to distract you mm -hmm. and um now I find the moments when I'm not working such like satisfaction out of like cooking, for example, where I can actually make something from start to finish and see it completed. I think there's a sort of deeper <laughs> anxiety that I'm not, I can't see anything completed because I don't know what's happening. You're chucking all this time and energy and these ideas work into this concept and this business, um, but it takes a long time, as I said, longer than you ever anticipated for it to come out the other side. And yeah, I think that's a really important thing to acknowledge the madness of any kind of industry like this, where, well, I, I remember working in some kind of pharmaceutical, which seems really random, but there were researchers trying to develop something for a disease who would never see their work come to fruition in their yeah. lifetime. And I just remember sitting in that going, I'm not sure I could do it. Yeah. Because I'm goals orientated and that's a special kind of commitment so it's to It's like planting a tree. Yeah. You you're never gonna see that that thing sort of like hundred years later or fifty years later. And yeah, I mean you're planting it for the next generation. Yeah. But obviously that's a slightly extreme situation. I hope that we can we can see some sort of uh some not well, some sort of sense of completion at mm. some stage in my life with Ferragai. Yes, you definitely will. That is it. But it's 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 learning how to wrangle that. Or I think there's something in learning to see the the, the stepping stone achievements. But it, yeah. but the problem is if you're you're always thinking of the next and the next and the next. Sometimes you can amble past those, can't you? Yeah, um, we're always trying to sort of identify and have a pause when we do get victories and wins because mm -hmm. these are the things that you know are the closest things to validation or sense of 
achievement or mm -hmm. uh, that we are progressing and because otherwise you just you don't get it you continue to go and you're like how long uh, how long until we need to hit like profitability and all this stuff mm -hmm. because there's always far bigger fish to fry than even if it's a really positive short-term like victory off mic we talked about that the also the wrangle of a, a, a passion project something you that you has got your heart really and and how you marry that with like, the need to make it business and and the head part how yeah. how do you bring those together i think there's i think with any entrepreneurial sort of found their business there's always going to be a sense of you in there and trying not to get too emotional about things uh is probably quite key and i've learned that because it's it is like a deeply personal in the way because you know if, if, if you're really passionate about it you're putting it's like a artist or whatever putting something out there to for the world to see you don't really know how people are going to interact with it and especially when it's something you know that three and a half years ago was really abstract which is you know that scottish alcohol free spirit that doesn't taste like an alcohol that isn't trying to you know be like alcohol so all of these things it's sort of what is it sort of thing putting something out there and actually trying to detach yourself from it is is, is a very helpful thing but it's taken me some time to to do that have you achieved it do you think i don't think i'll ever <laughs> achieve it no but there's definitely there's there's stuff that I do take the motion out of because you've got to ha desensitizing some of it, making it just like this is this is business. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, you know this sort of like sense of more survival. It's um, it's quite useful. Is there any anything you wish you'd known sooner? Any kind of light bulb moment or key learning over the last couple of years? I think the timing thing and the optimism that. I'm always bringing to any meeting that we have as a like when the board meets, uh, you know, what we can do, uh, the level that we can hit, like all of these. It's tempering, it's having that optimism, and obviously that's such a big driver. But then that sort of emotional bit of like actually, you know, if it's if it's taking longer and it is harder and you're not progressing, it's not to beat yourself up too much mm. about that, especially in the world today with the amount of consumer brands, you know. And the way that the consumer, the buyer, like shopping behavior is changing, like influencer marketing, partnerships, all of these things like Facebook adverts, just not the same as they were six months ago, let alone a year ago. And it's like, it's just, it's just such a fast changing landscape. And in terms of some of the things that, I mean, marketing has been tricky because you it's the intangible side of it. And there's always the risk of you don't quite know what the return is. And if you do have your limited resource or, you know, you don't have the weight of a blue chip Diageo Penrica Bacardi behind you, um, you know, it's, it's deliberating where, cause you need to invest to grow. And, but it's very easy to fall into potholes and mm. um, get really badly burnt. And that's definitely happened a couple of times. Um, Thankfully, not that badly burnt, but still, it's um, you look back on certain things, you think, "Oh God, I wish I spent that in a different way." It's always the way, isn't it? Yeah. And you, you think, "Why didn't I spot that sooner? Why didn't? Yeah. How did we think that was the right thing?" A, you can only know when you know, and B, as you say, it's often, especially in, in 
in where we're at at the moment, things could have changed by the time you get to that point anyway. I'm always amazed, I think, the humans, the human's ability to be able to justify a bad situation. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever anything bad happens, it's like you working out, okay, like, how can I make that good in my mind? It's like, okay, I've achieved that, so now I can move on. I think that there's, I always find that quite funny when, you know, when actually, you know, it's not great. And you're rapidly just trying to justify it in your mind, just uh, making it right so then you can move on. But everyone, yeah, I mean, across all, anything you read about entrepreneurs, you know, the significance of failure in, in getting there, isn't there that thing that uh, if you're going for investment that people won't invest in your first business, they want you to have like failed four times yeah. before they properly back you. Yeah, yeah. And I think that there's so much truth in that. I don't know how many failed businesses I've had. I've had a few. Have you? Yeah. But nothing, um, yeah. In similar c- category or in different things? Different. I I was never particularly academic at school. And I think I struggled a little bit with that. And I was trying to find something that I could be good at. And I was always like better at art or sort of being a bit more creative. And I think at a young age, I managed to find couple of quite questionable small businesses that I used to do and I think I formed a bit of an identity or a safe space around this Mm -hmm. uh, entrepreneurial sort of identity but then that took me to uh, university and I did a clothing brand it was like a it's called scruff and it was a mimic of Tom's basically Tom's Mm estrogels but half the price that didn't work dealing with Chinese manufacturers and minimal order quantities and multiple sizes shoes are a complete nightmare if you're working on a really small but they all came in size eight like three thousand pairs <laughs> um oh my savings gone but yeah that was um there's definitely learnings i've had but i'm not sure if i'm at four um and i'm this is not obviously not going to be a fourth no but you have you have also but you have done it before it's not it's not your first rodeo you have failed and you have and yeah and i think that is really important is it because yeah i think it is and you become more familiar with the emotions mm-hmm. of it and it's that sort of self-motivation piece of no one else is going to do it so you've got to do it and even if it's like some really like, tough legal document that you've got to read through that just sends chills down your spine you just know in your mind that no one else is going to do it so you just gotta yeah step up and try and work it out and it's, yeah that that's the whole bit of like it's like doing an mba on like steroids doing starting your own businesses you just gotta plow into stuff that you have really very little understanding of and trying to make sense of it uh and make a decision on it that's going to be the best for your business because it's and so you can't help but having to like try and commit it and yeah i'm uh, my 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 sort of i i, I can get into it but I'd, I'd far rather work on the really exciting sort of sales leads or um marketing campaigns that we're working on and um but yeah you can't help you have to do that yeah it's difficult isn't it like it's it's fairly at odds with the entrepreneurial spirit everyone that i've spoken to who had the vision had the light bulb moment who had the optimism and the energy to bring something to market maybe doesn't want to drill into the numbers in the and it's like how yeah. how do you learn to wrangle those two things because yeah it's very difficult to keep hold of the bit that you love yeah it, it, it comes back to that turning a passion project into a business I'm, I'm sure there's never you know there's never a moment where you think like yes i've arrived and this is great 
I sometimes think, you know, if we had a bigger, bigger team, so someone you know, who was fantastic with digital or fantastic with finance, legal, et cetera, you can have great minds feeding into the sort of the ultimate journey, mm. the overall journey, but I'm sure with scale and size comes pressures, but that's definitely something that, you know, when you see work with people who are really one, really passionate, have great belief in, um, in what it is they're working in and also they just have that sort of experience mm. it's it's amazing what that can do with your like when you see that happening with your business it's such a uh, or the business that you started it's such a exciting sort of like light bulb moment but we've got a small team and so there's still a lot that Bill and I do that we're probably not built to do so hopefully in time we'll be able to fill a couple of those those roles those types of people it's a different um category or thing entirely but uh, anna mather who is in my sphere in parenting and she's a psychotherapist and she says with with parenting when there's bits that you're like oh this is awful she's like <laughs> she reframes it as i get to do this so yeah. you know it's the very thing of unfolding three lots of clothes and, and trying to see the thing that you're doing it's like once upon a time this was my dream to to have yeah three little loads of clothes to fold. Yeah, I'm looking at some boring data, but I actually get to do this for yeah. my business and just remembering to come back. And exactly. I love that. I, I look at that, there's a poet that I love called David White. He's an Irish poet and he's got a line that without reciting the whole poem, but it's, uh, you're never more brilliant than in your wish to find a way. And it's that struggle when you feel like, I really don't want to be doing this or this is hard it's that's when you're being forced to be your best and that's it. you're using your instincts and everything that you've you've learned along the way to get there and that always gives me comfort if you know you're having a tough time it's like this is when it's good it's sort of a challenging way to put it but um it, it sort of sharpens you up and makes you dust yourself off and just get on with it yeah because like you say no one's going to do it like exactly like parenting they've spilled milk all over the floor you're like oh, where's the person who's oh no it's me i'm gonna i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna clear it up and it'll be fine and yeah i'm gonna sort my you know get yeah. my way through this business it's almost as it's happening you're like well that's there's no question yeah. i'm already down there i've got my hand on the mop and <laughs> yeah it's, yeah but you become quite efficient in you do. that but then you can become a bit resentful it's like why the hell am i having to do all this stuff yes i think it's any task where You've got you're spinning a lot of plates and there's a lot of things and some mm. of them aren't the bit that you signed up for or you imagined but all of them add up to the big picture of the thing that you've yeah. started. Yeah, I think a hard thing is letting stuff go. And like for a period of my life, I felt like I could do most of the things that were I wanted to do in terms of my to do list, my work, uh, things in my personal life. Now I just I just have to let it run and. You know, I know the urgent things come to the top and I get those sorted and but it's quite an uneasy feeling of letting all that stuff go and definitely in the last year there's stuff that for the first time in my life I'm just like I needed to do that but I can't <laughs> it's gone yeah but it's so interesting actually the things again uh, we talk a lot about of all the balls which which ball can you drop and it will bounce rather than than smash and it's so often actually the one that you would once have really tried to keep going and you actually leave it and you're like oh yeah 
you didn't need me quite as much as I wasn't needed as much in that situation and it was all right yeah yeah and that's another great sort of lesson that I'm definitely not I haven't learned it yet but I can see certain things that you do leave that you were worried about and yeah as you say just what wasn't important yeah the, yeah it's it's a really fascinating journey of of, of where you put your resources yeah. and what not like if you can get there and you can just identify out of like 50 things that come in three things that you need to do in the rest of it you can just let go I'm so far off that yeah exactly <laughs> send me give me give me your information when you've got it yeah couple of questions to end I always ask a, a tricky one but an interesting one if you could have any other brand or product if you, if you could have founded any one what would it be and why I I, I mean I don't th I think it's probably a little bit of a cliche now but I'm sort of constantly inspired by Yvonne Chouinard and Patagonia and what they're able to enact through the size of their business. It's like whether it's saving a rainforest in Tasmania, or I think they've recently established a national park, Wild Rivers National Park. It's like, what an amazing legacy to leave. And I know that he's just, all of the companies left to nature. I mean, if we had a number of, uh, a handful of companies that had that sort of level of influence that did that, the world would start to change in a really like positive way. And also when you speak like that, it's suddenly all to play for, isn't it? It's so yeah. exciting. And yes, it feels like huge goals, but yeah, why not? Yeah, but if everyone's working towards that and you know, our brand's quite set in uh, Wild Earth and protecting us wild places, but you know, we're also, we really stand up about community and in our local community in Fife, bringing work and opportunity and more tourism there as well through our distillery. But if you're able to really sort of see that change and enact it, it's a great reason to get out of bed in the morning. God, there's no better reason than my, my book. And my last question, which is a personal one, but how I end all my podcasts, if you were to have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be and what would you say? I don't know, the first person that just came into my mind, but it's only just because I've watched, um, it's very much sticking on the theme of what you might predict, uh, David Attenborough with... Um, like one, how connected he must feel with knowledge. Um, I'd just love to get to a great understanding of that. But then the frank truth of where he sees it going. Um, I mean, I, I'm just always like bowled over by what that guy's done. <laughs> um, and yeah, Wild Isles, just, just completely fixated on it. Like I was when I was a kid, when I you know, watching all these things, which is probably why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Uh, but yeah, sorry, that's not particularly um, predictable. The no. David Attenborough combo. <laughs> no, it's not, because it shows that your head and your heart are in the place where you're yeah. meant to be. Well, yeah, I mean, well, we talk about focus. So it's just, you know, just try and keep make things easier for mm. yourself if you focus in. The problem is, if you did meet, if one did meet David Attenborough, you'd be so dumbstruck, wouldn't you? Mm. Oh, you'd just where be, to start? Yeah, you, you just. I think I just want to touch him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then just feel the aura yeah oh i can't bear it I, like whenever there's a bbc notification there's always a like don't let it be don't yeah what yeah. will we do yeah. horrible horrible don't want to think no let's just appreciate all that he's done exactly as, as we get towards the end i realized i haven't asked you what it tastes like yes <laughs> key um yeah so ferragaya as i've said is an original taste 
so it's got a refreshing depth of flavor a lot of alcohol free drinks or, or alcohol alternatives are either just quite sweet or they're like floral herbaceous uh, and they potentially lack a little bit of punch and so what we wanted to do when we approached the challenge of creating Ferragai was to flip it on its head and get something with depth and also a bit of a journey sort of through the flavors. And so uh, we've got land botanicals, sea botanicals and spice botanicals, and it comes in that order. So, uh, you know, these are all like wild earth botanicals that have, you know, we've really focused in on botanicals that give either sort of good antioxidants or good calming, um, because I think, you know, that encourages that whole experience, but it's, the land botanicals are quite herbaceous and citrusy. So we've got lemon, verbena, blackcurrant leaf, chamomile, bay. Sea botanical is a sugar kelp, and that's grown on the west coast of Scotland on our own seaweed line, which is great sequestering carbon and it's really interesting sort of pioneering food source. And then the spice, you know, which we sadly doesn't really grow in Scotland, is we responsibly source it and from from Europe. And so we've got some pink peppercorn and cayenne pepper, which really gives the sort of foundation of the taste and so because you've got that depth it makes a really great versatile basis on which to build with like mixed drinks so if you just want a simple like ginger ale which we call like wild ginger ferragon ginger ale tonic uh and then if you're feeling more creative or you're in like a, a bar restaurant etc then cocktails are great so whether it's paloma old fashions uh brambles makes a really good sour uh you know where you can really start to step up um, the alcohol-free element of that. So, but the flavor is already designed. You've got to challenge the palate just enough so people, drinkers slow down, take their time. And in doing so, they actually enter that headspace of having a drink. It's not about whether there's alcohol in it, it's about really the time you take over it. So that flavor journey and the way that we've put it together is really just angling and trying to create that, the time and being a drink. I love that. You've done a very good pitch for it there. <laughs> I mean, you've got me completely. I'm my best. And tell us where it's stocked, importantly. So so we're stocked largely in, well, we've got some international markets now. So we're just opening up in the US, in Canada, Switzerland, and we've got a few other leads opening up, which is exciting. But in the UK, our real home market is Scotland. And so we're in some really great locations up there. Um, I don't know, Edinburgh and Glasgow really being the, the hub, too many to list, but on the website there is a stockist map. And then in London, we're sort of some really iconic retailers like Selfridges, Harrods, Harvey Nichols, uh, Dalesford, um, recently on Ocado. And so we've got some of those really nice um, iconic retailers on board, which is really helpful. And some really great restaurants and bars that sell um, some good Ferragai cocktails. We've got Fallow, which is in St. James, and also Wild by Tart in Belgravia does a, yeah, order the tart spritz. It's got some seasonal sort of amendments to the cocktail, which is fantastic. It must've been amazing to, the first time we saw it in one of those iconic food halls. Yeah, actually there's one, um, this is the Donovan Bar at Brown's Hotel, which is one of the world's most famous bars. Uh, used to be like Arthur Conan Doyle's like hangout where he wrote uh, Sherlock Holmes. And I remember my grandmother used to say that she used to go there when she was like growing up and it was like a big treat and her father once took her. And there was, and Ferragai is now, has a cocktail on the menu there. It costs, I mean, it's a reassuringly priced cocktail, <laughs> but 
it's smoked with the same tobacco smoke that Arthur Conan Doyle smoked and it's got this it's an old-fashioned and it's just an incredible cocktail but that was a real moment of yeah and I you know my granny hung around long enough for me to tell tell her that so uh, I think she was proud but I've, I definitely felt a little bit emotional that yeah that's big yeah that's big yeah it's exciting it is yeah I feel um yeah, really excited for the next couple of years. Yeah, you've, as you say, you're, it sounds to me as if you've, you've put all the groundwork in. Now, now, yeah, now it's time to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Thank you. And that's another episode wrapped. Thank you so much for listening to Meet the Founder, part of But Why podcast. It's so easy to forget the humans behind the products that fill our shelves and phones. But I love being reminded that every brand began with a person having a great idea. These chats are about more than me being nosy, although that is a big part of it. It's about remembering the reality that success isn't linear and that being a founder doesn't take one shape. Thank you so much to my guests and thank you for listening. And just one more ask, if you could please leave us a review or shout about on social media, it makes a huge difference to the number of listens we get. And last but not least, if you do want to get in touch, and I always love hearing from you, you can email me on butwhy at clemmytelford.com or find us at butwhypodcast on Instagram. Wishing you a very excellent day and catch you next time.